This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Well, hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and I am super excited today because I have two guest hosts, guests today, and they are fabulous. And they're also women who serve our country, and I cannot say thank you enough because, I mean, we need some amazing we, – we have so many amazing women in the world, and I just get to feature these two ladies today. So first, uh, I am going to be talking with the Combat Divas of the Combat – Combat Diva podcast. So we have Tanisha. She is a Chicago native, U.S. Army veteran, single mom with a bachelor's in mass media communications. She's an honest, light, light succeeding in a world that has occasionally stacked the odds against her. Her story is full of darkness, rising above, healing, and maintaining her spiritual ground. Tiffany is a veteran of the U.S. Army, mother, wife, and advocate of many causes, and has been a student at both Concordia and Aurora Universities. She calls the Windy City home. Tiffany is a chronic optimist who refuses to be defined by her struggles and works tirelessly to share her strengths, and these ladies are the Combat Divas, and they have a podcast, so if you want to catch that, the CombatDivaPodcast.net. But they are here today to talk about their new book, Survival Guide, Combat Diva Chronicles, A Boots to Heels Journey from Trauma to Triumph. Welcome to the show, ladies. How are you today? Hi. This is Hi. Amanda. We're doing good. I am so excited <laughs> you're here. I was listening to um, your most recent podcast today, and um, I, I just love the fact that you are just lifting women up, lifting each other up, um, just really shooting all that empowerment vibe out in the universe because I think there's this yeah. really bad habit that we have as women, first, not to accept compliments about our achievements, and second, mm-hmm. to tear each other down. For sure. It, yeah. it happens all too often, and I think it's just just a few of our voices that we can just lift to to say a good thing about each other every once in a while. I mean, we we deserve it. I I, I we just we really believe in empowering uh, our the women in the community because they are so many phenomenal women doing so many great things, and we just want to uplift them. Yeah, yes. I mean, it's I, I was talking. I've got three girls, and 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 I've got a son, and I was saying that you know the conversation with him is a little different, and not in the sense of. Um, <laughs> I don't know, excuses or what have you, but you say, um, you know, this is what you might hear, and this would be a better response, you know, and I think that we all, we're all trying to do that. It's like, I wish more women would stop saying, I'm so sorry that, I wish more would say, wow, that sucks, that happened to you, or, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever, but it's like, why are we apologizing all the time? It's like it's almost like it's our fault, and it's not our fault. You know, things just happen in life. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, but so, y'all met when you were, um, did you know each other before you were in the military, or did you meet in the military? We met in the military. Um, We were on an assignment together doing a recruiting duty. Uh, We had met previously in our unit, but just kind of like just sort of knew who each other were. But it wasn't until sure. we were on that assignment together so where we actually got a chance to really know each other and form a friendship. 
was the did the podcast come kind of you know we should do that or that wouldn't that be funny or I mean how did you guys get to that point? And this, uh, so this is Tiffany. I, I retired kind of early. I had a medical retirement, and um, Tanisha and I would just have these conversations that took a life of their own, and we would go on and on and on. And uh, after I got out of the military, I was looking for a way to just kind of use a platform to project my voice other than, you know, just social media. And uh, sure. I thought of the podcast, and I was like, ah, I, I just don't want to talk to myself, so let's see what I can get. And Tanisha was like the only person who gets me. And so I was like, hey, let's do a podcast. She was like, dope, let's go, let's do it. So I was like, all right. Let's do it. <laughs> I love those conversations, like having friends like that, and you say, oh, man, we've been talking like six hours. <laughs> right? Yeah. We try doing that around our other friends. Oh, my God. We get on their nerves. Because we start talking, and it could be one thing that's true, and then we just add and add and add, and, and all of a sudden now it's like a big story, and they're like, oh, my God, you guys shut up. And it sounds like uh, my writer friends and I, when we go to a conference, alcohol may or may not be involved in these conversations, but um, there's a lot of brainstorming that happens and a lot of, hey, you know Uh what we should write about? Um, A lot of that. That is cool. (laughs) Sometimes alcohol births the best uh, ideas. I call it sometimes birth the best ideas. So it does. It does. And it's fun because you start talking about all these possibilities and those, some of them come true. So I mean, some of them just like, you know, we should do that. So, so how long did you have the podcast before you decided to write the book? Uh, Two years. Okay. Yeah. And what was that catalyst? How did you come about that? Uh, well, so, I, I, this is Tiffany. I've always wanted to write a book, and um, I just, once we started the podcast, just felt more natural to do it with a partner at this uh Tanisha sure. and I started writing together just about our stories and the significance that they played in our lives and how, you know, even some of our stories are, are very vulnerable, you know, uh, as far as our dealings in the military, on and off the battlefield, actually. And how, you know, those tough times led to some triumph here and there. So um, we really wanted to get those stories out of there. And people would always ask us on the podcast, like, man, you guys should write a book. You got a lot to say. You should write a book, you know. And sure. um, mm-hmm. the pandemic happened and kind of opened up some time for, for me, I should say. And uh, <laughs> we decided to sit down and, and just put pen to paper and, and start to start to knock it out. So yeah. what is... So let's go back a little bit. Were each of you um, big readers or writers in school? I was. Um, I, I was okay. a big writer. I'm sorry, Tanisha. <laughs> I was a big uh, writer in school. Like when I was in fourth grade, I knew I wanted to one day be an author. It's like it was just a dream of mine, you know. And um, I just kind of gave up on it after a while, and but started to pick it up back up later in life. But I never stopped writing. I just uh, would help other people write their books. And so sure. then I started to do my own. So Tanisha has a different story. Go ahead, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, in school, um, well, some of my best subjects was probably like uh, the reading portion. I was never a big, um, I was never a big math person. 
So uh-huh. <laughs> reading was good for me. Um, it was until college to where I I was more involved in like the radio broadcasting. Uh, I was involved with uh, script writing. So uh-huh. the book thing was never on my list, like to-do list or a bucket list in life. But when uh, Tiffany brought the idea, I was like, hey, uh, we should write a book. Help me write this book. And I'm like, I'm always on board for everything. Like, sure. Like, you want to start a podcast? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> you want to write a book? Sure, absolutely. I'm just, yeah. I'm like on board for, for, the, uh, for the adventure of it all. But my thing has been um, – uh, script writing because I can just kind of like visually see dialogue and settings and all types of stuff in my head. So that's what I right. kind of gravitate towards. But it's still storytelling nonetheless. I mean, it doesn't matter in what form it is. Yeah. It's always storytelling. It's always getting your voice out there, which is incredibly important. So that sure. book process was hard for me. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole different animal for sure. Um, so did you guys decide to um, self-pub, I mean, indie, or did you go through a publisher? How did you approach that idea? We we went through a small publisher uh, who is, she's also actually a female veteran, and uh, the name of nice. the publishing company is Unfeathered Inc. And we just honestly stumbled upon her on social media and uh, reached out to her. She had some free time to take on some clients, so... Yeah, we just started to kind of every week get a get a meeting with her and kind of hammer out some some writing. It wasn't the first like couple months was very difficult, but uh, sure. After, well, you know what? I it never got easy. I should I, I want to say it got easier, <laughs> but it didn't. <laughs> so I feel like what the wrapping the... up portion of it all became very became harder because that's when it came down to the editing. And uh-huh. it gets really tedious. It's long, long hours uh, going back over the same thing four or five to ten times. So, no, I don't think you got easier. <laughs> Not for me. Right. At least at least ten times. Because you keep going, oh, God, yeah. what if I miss? something like yep. some small <laughs> word because you because spell check's not going to catch if you do there there and there or two and two and two or you know all that other stuff right. so you're just sure exactly. and and then it's and then I think from what I've experienced it's all also you're so proud of this project it's finally there and mm-hmm. I don't know about y'all but it's that panic about 24 hours before it's released it's like what if this sucks <laughs> What if this yeah. is really awful and I made a bad mistake? <laughs> yep. That imposter syndrome just knocked on the door and came on in. And I, I right. agonized for like three days before we released it. Like I could not sleep. Like I was, I feel sorry for my family. I was bitchy. I, I just couldn't figure it. I was just like on the edge until it came out. Then after it came out, I'm like, whatever, it's here. But right before right. I, it was really hard. But then yeah, I can success say has during been that been time, fabulous. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Success has been fabulous. And so they tell me. Yeah. I mean. But uh, Tiffany, she yeah, was just. Ag- she, she really did. Um, she really. Was, I think it's like a delay. I'm like, but. Uh, a little bit, Tiffany yeah. Tiffany really did agonize over and over about it. And then that's when I became the optimist. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's cool. We're going to be fine. It's cool. I'm like. I'm chilling. Right. I'm just laid back, and she's like freaking out. I was like, no, it's gonna be fun. Just, just, you know, just chill. Just chill. Right. I can't. I can't. That's true. So. <laughs> well, but you ladies have done 
amazing things, amazingly brave things, amazing things in general. I mean, like when you were talking about, um, you know, having babies and, and giving life, I mean, you guys have made it through labor and breastfeeding and shooting things and shooting. I mean, it's just like, and, and, and it's interesting because we all want to stress and do the best job possible, but, um, you know, y'all, y'all did it again. I mean, you just an incredibly fabulous book that would speak to not just women in the military, but women who might be considering going to the military, women who have retired from the military, mm-hmm. and then women who are just, you know, women, just like doing the everyday stuff that we all just kind of assume we're supposed to do. But really, it's, it's yeah. an amazing journey. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. I think. I think by telling our story in this book, we legit end up having a little something for everybody, just like how you explained, yeah. like just for everybody going in, coming out, still in, um, retired, just women dating a person that's in the military or men dating women that's in the military. Just, I mean, it was just kind of like a, just for everybody, basically, a survival guide for everyone. Right. So what are some of the biggest misconceptions that when you talk to um, women who are considering being in the military, what are some of the biggest misconceptions about that, about women in the military? Oof. How much time do we have? Oh, no, I'm just joking. We uh, have um, 31 <laughs> minutes, but you can come back and we can talk again. <laughs> no, one of the biggest ones are uh, that, that all women in the military are, are like lesbians or like this uh, – Sure. kind of character. <laughs> There's no way we could, or we're terrible moms because we can't get back to our family every day. Uh, that's a big right. Um, uh, so you got some more? It's a lot of them running through my head. Um, misconceptions of female strong. Um, I guess more like that we are uh, somehow ten, a uh, hundred times tougher than like the average woman. Like yeah. we're not, almost like we're not human beings. So it's like we're not uh, yeah. supposed to steal this, so we're not supposed to steal that. But it's like, no, we just, you know, a person that signed up to serve our country, but we feel and have feelings just like everybody else. It's just that sometimes those can be suppressed to to give that idea like we're not necessarily like regular females, but we still we still feel what everybody else feels that's not in the service. Right. Well, you guys are dealing with some heavy stuff. Yeah, we yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah it's a it's a heavy job, and and I thank you a million times over for doing it. What um what was each of y'all's journey to enlist or go into the military? Were you ROTC in school? What was that process? Uh, I was in college actually when when I joined. I um I honestly just couldn't pay for college anymore. Uh, my my mm. grandparents raised me, and they were starting to get on a fixed income and. I couldn't really rely on them, and, yeah, I was working a job, but that wasn't doing it. So this smooth-talking recruiter was like, hey, I, I can solve your problem. And so <laughs> before, before I knew it, I was enlisting and uh, not really right. understanding the full scope of what I was doing. But um, yeah, once I got in, I, I cursed his name every day, every day. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yep. Um, for me, um, mine was, I was still in, uh, I was still in high school. I was 17 when I decided to join. Um, it was, uh, about six months before I graduated, um, high school. 
And my mom, she's a you know single parent raising both uh, me and my older brother. And she was like, uh, I can't really afford to send you to school. Um, I wouldn't suggest um, that you do student loans, but find the money. So if it was like yeah. grants or whatever years you could do, find the money. And I was doing like this, the what's like the college fair that they had a few colleges visit school, and then I saw sure. the table for the National Guard. And at first, I, it started off me just wanting a pencil, the little camouflage cool pencil or whatever. So it was sure. so silly. And I looked, I looked at the pencil, and it was like, and it said a hundred percent tuition to to college. And I was like. Well, there we go. We found the money. <laughs> and next thing I know, I was taking the test, and I was my mom was signing consent for me to join. <laughs> it's wow. a blur if you, if you decide to yeah. join. <laughs> Everything goes so quickly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it does. Yeah, they, my they dad. Out the door really quick. They do. Yeah, my dad talked about that. Um, he was very angry with his dad and went down to the local recruiter's office in 1960 and said, I'm, I'm out of here. Um, they're like, great, we've got a place we can send you. Um, so he signed up for the Navy, and uh, he said the second day of boot camp, his DI kicked him down a flight of stairs. Oh, and, my um, God. Yeah, and he said, oh, man, i got four years left. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> He said, but he needed it. It was was good, kind of straightened him out. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a different world, um, and definitely a commitment. I mean, you you know, it's not like college where you're like, "Eh, I don't think I'll do this now. It's like, yeah, you're not going anywhere. (laughs) You stay. You don't have to do this to make. Yeah, right. You don't. In college, you can just walk out of a classroom when you're bored. Like me, I did that in college. I was like, ah, I'm bored. I'll. I'm tired, I'm hungry, and I just leave. But the military, like when you're in training or just deployed, there's no just, oh, I'm sick of this, I'm just going to go home. (laughs) Right. That's a wrap. You stuck. You stuck. And we talk about this (laughs) in the book, how I I was terrible. Both of us actually were, we sucked at basic training. Tanisha was a little bit better, but I was like a walking catastrophe. Like I I, I bust my nose open, I like, I got everybody in trouble over and over again. I was just, I was not a good soldier. It took a while for me to kind of understand how to play the game and be a good soldier. So, uh, but boot camp was terrible for me. Yeah, I had um, problems, so boot camp wasn't great. (laughs) In the book, what is your favorite part? Like, what's your favorite story in the book? Uh, well, me, I, I was my. Oh, go ahead. Well, sorry, it's, a, it's a delay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, uh, my favorite is um, we have a, a chapter uh, entitled "Broken but Not Forgotten," and I think we get the most vulnerable in that chapter, and, and that could be why it, um, it's like it's like our baby almost, you know, or my baby. Sure. Because I, I we talk about um, <laughs> I talk about substance abuse in that chapter. Um, how I, you know, suffered with uh, addiction and substance abuse and uh, how we saw uh, night terrors, how they began, and PTSD, how that began. Um, mm-hmm. So we talk about how, you know, the military did, you know, uh, take a toll on us, but, I mean, how we, we've overcome it and we're overcoming it and figuring out tools to do so. Um, but the it gets really vulnerable, and I, I think it gets really intense in that chapter for us. 
Okay. Um, well, mine would be um, with the I am not my hair, that, that section of it. Um, I mean, another price I do get very vulnerable and pull up, like, things that's still kind of traumatic that I'm still working through. I've gotten better working through it now today, but I got a chance to just really rage out and get angry and talk about what happened with me and going blind and having to fight leadership and, and taking everything all the way up the chain of command for for the hair standards. That was that was kind of my favorite part of being able to get all of that out. Yeah, yeah she kind of talks about being a woman of color in uniform, and uh, it's, it's pretty much a chapter on race relations, like how we dealt with being African-American, you know, or women of color in the military. That's a different um, echelon of it. So, um, right. You know, and I was gonna, that was actually going to be my next question with y'all is, yeah. you know, there's, there's different layers of, of challenges in being a woman in the military, yeah. but with being a woman of color in the military is also its own challenge. Yeah. Cause we're, we're battling yeah. a, a constant series of stereotypes and trying to either trying to prove the stereotypes, uh, incorrect or, you know, making a big joke out of it. And we talk about how we went from, you know, how that's how we learned to deal with race relations almost. We we had this banter about stereotypes and so we could figure out, you know, what what was real and what wasn't and, and how we can relate to each other, uh, the various races in, in the military. And it is right. so inappropriate. And um, <laughs> we, we forget that we do it sometimes. So when we're civilians, and we're just like, oh, chicken, black people must love that. And then, like, everybody looks at us like, what? <laughs> it's like, ah, we, we're in the military. Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, and people, don't know how to people deal tend with to get offended. They get offended for us. Yeah. And then we like, we're not yeah. offended. But people get offended for us. And yeah. <laughs> that, that'd be the funny part. We'd be like, oh, we probably should just dial it down some in front of regular, you know, civilian people and stuff because <laughs> yeah. they would be ready to – Call on all the call on the march or whatever, just just for our sake. And we're like, ah, I mean, hey, it's funny, but right, that yeah. probably could be part of the problem too. So we don't <laughs> try not to perpetuate it so much. But it's kind of like how coping mechanism we cope. That's how we cope in the military. Yeah. Oh yeah, backwards, but for sure, um, it's not the same thing. But I know that when I was a trauma nurse and then I worked ER for adults mostly, and then I did pediatric, um, there would be times that we would all be saying stuff, and we all knew if anybody outside that bubble who wasn't in medicine was listening, they'd be like, y'all all should go to jail. I mean, y'all are just awful people. Um, but it, no, but it was. Right. We, we talk about yeah. you, you guys, too, like nurses and EMTs. Like, everybody has, like, this culture and bubble that we're safe in, you know, and we could just save yeah. stuff because it's a stressful job. Being a trauma nurse has to be, especially a pediatric nurse as well, it's, it's stressful. How do you relieve that stress sometimes? you got to joke about it. Some dark humor. Though. Right. Yeah. Yeah and, and yeah, and I could call my dad because he was in the Corps, and so he, he would talk about stuff that they'd, they'd talk about. And, you know, this is way before anybody, like, really was totally honest. Well, maybe they were totally honest at the time, and people were not saying anything if they were offended. But, I mean, the early 60s. And so, um, yeah, now. Yeah. Well, and that's, for, that's part of the frustration is, is it's like I've talked to my kids. I'm like, just be honest. Just own what yeah. you say and, and be honest. Ask the questions. And right. 
and do it in a respectful way. And if you're not and someone says that's not respectful, you say, okay, please, I'm very sorry I did that, but I do want to have this conversation. Can we, you know, something. Right. Because you can't learn if you don't ask. And it's like people are that's even right. afraid to ask. That's right. That's and right. we're living in that day. And that's the hard part about writing now too, right? Because you have to double check and see if you offended anybody. So it's like, let me, that was like a whole part of the editing process. Okay, that's right. four senses. Like, did, did we dramatically offend any group? And one in our racial paragraph, I mean, that yeah, we somebody will be offended. You can't help it. But um, <laughs> right, we try to cover all the bases, but somebody's going to be offended by something said in there. And you have to get to a point in this, especially in our writing, we got to a point where, well, you know, forget it. <laughs> well, we'll do it later. But it's your story. Yeah. You should tell your story right. the way I was you see just it. Just gonna say that. Yes, it's our yeah. story. It's like I, if this, if it happened to us just the way you're saying it happened, uh, I'm sorry if you get offended. But it's just what happened. We just tell an idea. Yeah. We're not openly trying to force a joke or anything like that. Because for the most part, it's something that was already said to us. Right. That's so. right. Yeah, when uh when I was working in the ER, we had um we always knew he was really uptight in medical records because um I would a lot of times being a writer, um I would end up being the recorder during yeah. the codes or whatever or if we'd have like crazy stuff come in. And so I was right I'd be writing and I would say patient says, quote, you know, y'all suck and I hope you all die and other words, you know, and um, I would put it in quotes, right? And you would have someone come down, and there was another um, guy. He was an EMP. He was paramedic, but he was also a nurse. This is an old guy, and he was great. And he'd come down, and he's like, oh, well, medical records was upset about something you wrote. I said, well, what is it? And it's because I quoted the actual what they were saying, and it could be really colorful. Yeah, especially like on a Saturday, 2 a.m., and – so they would say, can you, can you just say patient uses profanity? I said, no, because in court, no. I don't, you know, you can't just be general. You have to be specific. Yeah. And um, they, they said, well, can you just say F blank blank K? And I said, <laughs> we're like, that's not no. what they said. <laughs> that's not what they said. They did not say F blank blank. They didn't say blank 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 blank. They did not. <laughs> I will be writing exactly what was said. They were just like, oh. I love that. I love that. Yeah. It's like, stop coming down here. <laughs> Stay in your office. <laughs> because if you blank, blank, blank it, you don't even remember what they said after that. Because you're like, wait, blank, blank, what would they really say? No, like you want to write right. down what they said, so you remember. Right. If it's grammatically incorrect, okay, and if I used the wrong word, sure, but, I mean, that's what they said. Don't correct anything else. So, believe me, your attorneys will be so happy. <laughs> exactly. So, were you guys able to get all the stories you wanted to get in the book? I mean, can we anticipate a second book, maybe even a workbook, or, oh, Dare I say, speaking engagements? Ooh. Uh, well, Tiffany yes. loves your speaking yep. engagement. Me, I'm, yeah. I usually like uh, like the wing. I could be the wing person on the speaking engagement with Tiffany. But speaking again, that's her. That's her wheelhouse, like that. The speaking part. Me, I have to like like warm up into it and get a warm and fuzzy, and then then I'm firing off on all cylinders. But oof. 
I said, I remember TED Talk, you know. Um, yeah, I, yeah, TED Talk, I, I exactly. Yeah, I love it. We have a few coming up, uh, actually, um, um, this year, but uh, the speaking engagement, yes. The second book, absolutely. Um, we've okay, been, yeah. we've already started working on that. Uh, uh, actually, and we're going back and forth and uh, working on the script with Tanisha. Um, just she's amazing in the area as far as script writing, and uh, it's mm-hmm. a, it's her dream to get that script out, and I want to help as much as I can. And so we're um, oh, yeah. we're working on that as well. And uh, so, yes, book two and uh, the other, the workbook was, is actually a good idea. So, I don't know, maybe a workbook. <laughs> I yeah, about it. I mean, Ooh, that's a good right. idea. I didn't think about a workbook. Or a yeah, journal. I think that's a good idea. You could do a journal. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that's pretty cool. So, that might be like a supplemental guide later on this year. We'll, we'll see. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, the response that you've had, you know, I've been reading your reviews and, and, and posts and people have been putting these amazing stuff. What has been the most surprising, positive response that you've had? Because, I, oh, you know, you had talked about before about, you know, with, with your other podcast about how people had posted negative crap and it's like, you're not listening and you're not our audience, right? So yeah, I'm right. not going to change, we're not going to change your mind because you're, Insert F U U you know K whatever um, blank blank you know um, so but what is what has been the po- most positive response you've had that was unexpected? I would say um, from a a a male uh, uh, reader and he uh-huh. read it and he was uh, he said that he had his mind made up about like how women in the military go about doing things he had served and uh he had his mind made up and he actually said that some of the some of the reading helped him to open his open his mind up about a few things. He was a very you know he says a masculine guy, whatever. But uh sure. he, he was really not accepting of women in leadership and he had his 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 doubts about it and after reading it he, he really changed his tune and uh that was actually a surprise for me. And uh, I was pleased to to hear that. So, yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, my my first grade teacher, she um, sent me a message after going. She literally just read through the entire book within like maybe two days. Okay. And she was raving about it to me, and it was just like um, the way she was saying, like, oh, I had no idea. Because me and my first grade teacher, we kind of kept in touch over, you know, over the years. But, and we would have conversations about my experiences, but she was like, she just, she said she just saw a whole different side of me that she didn't even know anything about. And she was just in awe in a good way. So right, that was surprising to me. Yeah. My, my grandma surprised. There's some things yeah. in here that I've never talked about ever in life, like, like no one, maybe only a few close friends knew that I had a substance abuse kind of problem, and sure. you, nobody even knew about uh, you know I had a suicide scare. No one knew about that, but it's in the book. And um, so my grandma was reading it, and she was just every chapter she was calling me crying. Oh my God, I can't believe you went through this! And then she read another chapter. Oh my God! Like every chapter she was just like appalled. <laughs> And uh, she she had no idea, you know. Some of the stuff made her cringe, of course, because she's she's a grandma. She's like, I can't believe you did sure. 
But um, she was uh, very, she was very into it. You know, she she was thankful that she had that kind of look into our lives. So that was pretty cool too. (laughs) Was it easier to write it down and put it in the book than to sit down and tell her that face to face? And and the second question, part of that question is, was it cathartic to write it all down? It was very cathartic to write it all down, especially these stories that I've never even told before. Like, um, there's one story in there where I talk about uh, nightmares that I have about uh, a young man who was killed overseas, uh, a young boy. And um, I'd never even talked about that before. One time in my therapy, and that's it. And yeah. it was just so cathartic to write that down and, and get that out. And I felt, I felt that it wasn't significant. Um, initially, which is why I don't talk about it because it's not like, you know, I was blown up or anything, but I don't know why sure. knowing that he, he was killed, you know, it, it really, I don't know, it bugged me. It really bugged me. So um, we talked about that through in therapy and talking about it in the book really opened up a lot for me. It was so cathartic and it just really, uh, it, it's, it's always scary being so vulnerable, so transparent, yeah. you know, um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I was happy I did it because I'm always quen, 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 cringing now every time somebody tells me that they read the book. Like, oh, I read that part where it's like, ah, I feel cringe, but it's good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I can't even imagine how many people you've helped going through this. Y'all have helped just in general. Yeah, yeah. and that's the, the exciting part of it um, when people do send us back uh, messages talking about, um, you know, how much it helped them and how they felt like they wasn't alone and how they went through similar situations and it was uh, like a breath of fresh air or it was an eye-opener. And, like, when we read stuff like that, like, we've had so many positive reviews. I haven't heard anything negative about the book, like, yeah. not even about the cover, the, the words, the, just anything. Everything has been positive about the book. So that's been the exciting part because, of course, you're putting your words out there, you're putting your stories out there, and you don't, you know, you don't know if somebody's going to talk to the side like, oh, freaking amateurs or whatever. And <laughs> to, know, to know that it's so well-received, we, you yeah. know, we are just, you know, taken aback by it, you know? Yeah. When you were writing, um, there were times that I would come home from the emergency room and I talk to my mom every once and I tell her, she's like, you're making this up. I mean, were you, when you're writing the story, <laughs> were there times you're like, no one's going to believe this happened. Like you're, you're writing this in this one part and you say, we're going to put it in here, but no one's going to believe it that that happened. Every chapter, every chapter, <laughs> every chapter we have something in there that we know no one would believe this. Like this couldn't have really happened. Like there's a chapter we talk about relationships and ironically, both Tanisha and I were dealing with PTSD when we came home, and we almost hit uh-huh. our exes with a car. And we didn't, I don't think we oh, even well. knew this until we started writing the book. And it's like, nobody's going to believe that we both wanted to hit our exes with a car. Well, Tanisha actually hit her ex with a car. I missed my ex. But, I did uh, not. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're like, nobody's going to believe this. Every chapter is like, ah, nobody's going to believe this. <laughs> nobody's going to Believe it. I was like, there wasn't a car. Just crazy. I tried to stab him. It was different. You need the back of the car. Whatever. You got to read it. You got to read it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, it's ironic you say that. I was laughing because I started watching the show. It was a series on, um, 
I guess it was CBS, but it was called Why Women Kill. I mean, and it's like basically about <laughs> this house that like these three different couples have lived in over like 50 years and these crazy yeah. situations that happen. And Jennifer Goodwin's in it. She was in Once Upon a Time and Big Love and, you know, she's done a ton of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, I love her. And, um, I love her. Yeah. She's the 50s yeah. housewife. And so she's like completely, you know, outwardly looks perfect, but she's completely insane. Um, and, uh, there's a part in it where she's sitting there and her husband's like, Penny, for your thoughts, she's like, just wondering when you'll die. <laughs> so she's like, what? oh, I need to watch this. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, you, he's like, well, I'm not going to die anytime soon. And she's like, you don't know that. You could like be hit by a car. You could be stabbed in the chest. You could choke on a pimento. Oh, oh you know? my God. She was <laughs> yeah, obsessed with waiting for him to die. Oh my well, God. there is a reason that you find out very quickly why. Um, ah. But it really is fantastically done. It's on um, Amazon Prime. You can also get it on Apple. And it was about 25 bucks for the, for the season. Um, oh, okay. So yeah. Sure. Yeah. So Wait, with all, you know, all the couples, it's called Why, why Women, Women Kill. Kill. Yeah, and it's oh, okay. um, yep. a uh, yeah, and it's it's the same house but three different couples over a period of like fifty years. So and it's nice. got one couple, Lucy Liu is the '80s one, and I was my daughter was watching it with me. She's seventeen, and I said I looked at her and said, "Oh my God, this just looks embarrassing now," you know, because I I was graduated from high school in '86, and so I'm just looking at it going, "Oh, that pink and that electric blue and the shoulder pads," and it's like, "Oh wow!" Yeah. And we thought we were awesome. <laughs> I know. You're making me feel old, ladies. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't help it. Sorry. No, it's fine. It happens all the time. I actually have a really good friend of mine. We were talking, and I said, She's like, Oh, it's my birthday next week. And I said, Oh, really? How old are you going to be? She goes, 37. I'm so old. And I went, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I said, I could literally be your mother. She's like, no, you couldn't. I was like, yes, I could. I love it. I would have been a young mother, yeah. but I could. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there you are. What um, with? Let me think. Uh, how how am I, I had the question, and then it just like completely went out of my brain. Um, so <laughs> tip. So Tiffany, you are still in the military, or no? Tanisha's still Tanisha, in the military. Yeah. Okay. So, are you are you stateside right now? Or are you um, deployed? Um, stateside. Um, National Guard. So it's just you know part time now. It's once we are not deployed, it's just go back to one weekend a month. Okay. So, okay. But yeah. So yeah. And then that paid for you. Were, you were talking about um, you know y'all finished school and you've got babies and I mean there's a lot going on. So it's not like life quote-unquote, slow down after you got, after you got you know, the, when you've done your commitment for the weekend or whatever. I mean, it keeps going. There's no downtime because you've got all no. that going on. Absolutely. Me, yeah. it's like uh, once the one weekend, once that weekend is up, then it's back to your civilian job five days, five days a week. And then, of course, your mom 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right. So. That right. stuff just never, it never lets up. Sometimes you get a moment to 
maybe get away with some friends and, and talk crap about your family and drink and tell jokes. But I'm just, yeah, we need more of those because we're trying to form a book club. So we need more of those, um, you know, mom moments to where we all can just kind of like sit around and just, and just take a, take a break. But yeah, yeah. it just never slows. I feel like it never slows down. No, no, it never slows. I, you know, my husband, every year it's like, what do you want for Mother's Day? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, because it, after a while you're just like, I want people to leave me alone. That's yeah. what I want. You know? um, that was that was one year he said, what do you want? I said, you know what I really want? I want no one to want anything from me for 12 hours. I want to sit in my bed all day and watch movies and nobody ask me for anything for 12 hours. Yeah. Um, it was the best Mother's Day ever. He looked at me like, really? I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes. I love this. Puts, puts yeah, I kept hearing, what are you doing? Done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that happened when you're my dad actually, we, I was grew up in Houston, so my dad actually loaded us, us kids in the car and Mother's Day morning and just drove us to Galveston, and Mom was home by herself all day. And oh, wow. he came nice. home. He's like, are, are you okay? Like, he knew she was stressed, but he, you know, took us to kind of, he, he was really worried. She was like, no, that was the best Mother's Day ever. You know, because she was like, got to eat Cheez-Its by herself, you know, sitting there, didn't have to share. So, yeah. Nice. So, anyone listening, that's a great Mother's Day gift. Like, hours of exactly. no interruption. Just leave people alone. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine like your self-esteem, your self-esteem as a kid. Be like, oh my God, it was the best Mother's Day ever. But you like, well, we were gone away from you, mommy. I mean, <laughs> you like, I, I know, I know. You have to balance it. You gotta, you know, when they're a little older, like, okay, here's the deal. Um, so yeah, when they're little, it's hard. They don't quite get it. Yeah. <laughs> but when they become parents, oh, they get it. And they get it quick. Oh, like, they do. Okay, I get it now. My mom was like, oh, my best day was not having responsibility and not worried about anybody who's going to eat what and who's going to go where. It was, yeah. they'll appreciate it. Oh, yeah. I had a cousin when she was about 13. She's like, I can't wait till I'm 18. I get to do what I want. I said, well, we'll see how that turns out, sweetie. And um, she had a baby at 19. And I remember calling her. I'm like, oh, no. How no. And, she, you know, I didn't call the badger at all. I wasn't going to be mean. And I said, how are you doing okay? She's like, I did not sign up for adulthood. I'm like, I know. <laughs> happened anyway. <laughs> She's like, you didn't yeah, think that one little thing. Yeah. One fun night it just turned into yeah. just 18 years, of, 18 years plus of chaos. So you're welcome. That's right. That's right. Yeah, there you go. You're welcome. Um, and, and she loves her kids. It's just, it's just, she laughs about it now. She's just like, yeah, that was really narrow. I went, yeah, it was. Yeah, you can't lecture anyone when they're 13. I mean, you can like set parameters no. and hopefully they stick sort of close to them. But I mean, they know everything they need to know at 13. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> mm. Exactly. Just like, no, this is not working. Okay. Um, I, find it funny. So. I can do whatever I want as soon as I turn 18, okay. and then, then you get pregnant at 19, and it's like, well, mm-hmm. you did want to do whatever you <laughs> wanted to do. Ta-da. So, so. <laughs> yes. So, for anybody who's been listening, this has been Patricia Fisher with the Combat D 
Divas and the, of the Combat Diva podcast with Tonisha and Tiffany. Their book is out now, and you should pick it up. Combat Diva Chronicles, Survival Guide, A Boots to Heels Journey from Trauma to Triumph. You can find them at the combatdivapodcast.net. And I have the links of their social media and their buy links and everything in the write-up of the show. And please come back and talk to me again when next book is out or workbooks or anything else. I am for sure. super excited Ooh. for you, too. Yeah, it's been so much fun. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And this has been Patricia W. Fisher. Yeah. This has been Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. Everybody keep on reading and stay safe out there. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. 